That's our series, Keys to the Kingdom. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And the keys don't open the kingdom so that we can get in. The, the keys are really opening us up to the kingdom so it can get into us. Not about how we get into heaven, but how heaven gets into us. And so this morning, we're, we're looking at the key that, that opens us up to contentment. What opens you to contentment? The answer is trust. Trust is the key that opens you to contentment. It's the idea that, that trust that saves also assures. It spreads like a mustard seed. You know the image of the mustard seed, that smallest seed that you plant and then it takes over. Mustard just grows and spreads like kudzu. Well, not, not like kudzu, like a good thing. It spreads. Now, where am I getting this from? That here is the idea in seed form in the previous few verses, right before the ones that we're about to read about the kingdom, a famous, very well-known, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Right before that, well, at the beginning of the passage, it says, therefore, now surely you've heard this before now, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it? Therefore, right. It's very corny, but it's really worth remembering because usually there's something that you need to pivot around that's going on. This is a pivot moment in the Sermon on the Mount. Why is it therefore? Why is it the therefore, therefore? Because what, what he was saying previously is about light coming into your life. He's saying in the previous passage, he's talking about the fact that just as light guides the body, so trust guides your life. Now, imagine that you're driving and maybe you're sort of weaving through some cones or maybe you're going around a sharp curve on a cliff and all of a sudden you lose your sight. How long would it take you to hit the brake? Or imagine that you're trying to thread a needle and all of a sudden, you can't see it. The lights go out in the room. How, how well is it going to go for you trying to thread that needle? Jesus is using that metaphor of light. And he's saying, just as light guides your body, so does trust. He's saying, therefore, trust. Therefore, knowing that we have been saved by trust, now, Live by it. Be assured by it. Rather than worrying, find trust that will unlock contentment. From the Word of God, Matthew 6, starting with verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For, your, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we pray, would you open the eyes of our heart that we may see in Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the course of the pandemic, we all became familiar with Zoom. And some people became maybe too familiar with, with it that they were messing with all the different functions and gadgets. I've noticed on Zoom calls lately that people are using that little bokeh uh, fuzzy option. Have you noticed this? Where the only thing in focus is the person. Everything else is fuzzed out, right? It's like, I'm ready for my close-up. You know, it's like that moment, like, I'm ready for my close-up. So everything is fuzzed out. Now, I want you to picture that for just a minute. Some people are living their life just like that. The only thing they see is themselves. The immediate. Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor calls this the imminent frame, the imminent frame. It's to have life framed only in what you can see and smell and taste and touch and feel. It is a faith-based presumption that ultimate reality is only that which is measurable. Can you see how that makes everything fuzzy around you? Can you see how that might produce some anxiety if all your point of reference is just what you can see and smell and taste and touch and feel. Jesus is calling us to a bigger frame, a bigger frame of trust. Pascal, Blaise Pascal said, the heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. The heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. What he's saying is, in this passage, he's saying, the trust that brings you salvation can bring you daily assurance. You can bring that bigger frame perspective into the now. You can open the door of contentment with the key of trust. Trust. You see, Jesus is talking about the kingdom over and over again more than anything else, more than any other subject. He talks about the kingdom. And it's not a when. It's not a, okay, we're oppressed by the, the, the Romans and at a certain time, 
you know, we're going to rise up, the proletariat are all going to take over, and we're going to, we're, we're going to assume control again, and, and then the kingdom will be ushered in. It's not a when. It's a where. The kingdom is a where. Where? And the kingdom can, like a mustard seed, like light, spread throughout your day, throughout your mind. It can shine, and here's the point of the day, it can shine into every dark corner of your worry. All those dark corners of your life where you're worrying, it can shine there. When? You set aside what you're leaning on and begin to lean on trust. And so let's take a look at, at our worry about doing enough, being enough, and having enough. These are the three worries I see emerging in this passage. Doing enough, being enough, and having enough. First, doing enough. We worry about doing enough. And so as a result, rather than trusting... We kind of lean on our own overdoing. We overdo it. Earlier, you heard John read from Genesis, the passage that talks about how work has become toil. Well, Jesus is reversing this through trust. We, we can be on a pace, a, a healthy pace. And rather than live with anxiety that we're doing enough, we can trust. We can trust. The same assurance of faith that won you salvation can win you the assurance that you're doing enough, that you're doing enough. Verse 26, he talks about the birds. Consider the birds of the air. They don't store up in grain houses and warehouses. Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying, don't have a retirement plan. See, usually what Jesus is doing, he's, he's taking one image and he, he wants to elevate one quality there and he wants to make a point about it. He's not usually in his parables and his illustrations telling, he wants everything about the image to be reflected in your life. He's saying there's one quality. It's a daily quality. Now, how do I know that? Well, at the end of the passage, it says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, Jesus isn't saying, well, just, you know, just sit around the lotus position and just wait for breakfast to show up, right? I mean, the birds go out and they gather. But there is a daily sense of trust. There is a, there is a posture of trust in the day. In other words, the birds don't borrow anxiety from tomorrow. Worry does not rid tomorrow of its challenges. It robs today of its contentment. It's like Mark Twain said, I've suffered from so many things in my life, some of which actually happened. Right? That's Jesus' point. I remember uh, when I had my first big job and I was worrying about doing enough. And so I was really spinning my wheels. I had a timeline. I had goals. I wasn't reaching those goals within the timeline, and I started to, to, to overwork, to overdo it, to burn the candle at both ends. And, and the person I was working with recognized this. He was older, wiser, seasoned. And he said, Tim, 
the world already has a Savior. <laughs> oh, that, that didn't seem to ring your bell the way it rung my bell. I said, yeah, I think you just summed it up pretty well. The world already has a Savior. I, I remember then after that, I, I read through this book that talks about the circle of concern and the circle of influence. And I came to recognize that I was putting a lot of effort into my circle of concern even where I didn't have any influence. Your circle of influence is always going to be smaller than your circle of concern. If you have any kind of social conscience, if you have concern for anybody in your life around you, if you want things to be different and you're putting effort to, to, to make a change, then your circle of concern is always going to be bigger than your circle of influence. Where is your effort going? Is it going into the influence? Or are you spinning your wheels? Are you overdoing it? Are you borrowing trouble? Are you anxiously trying to run on that treadmill, aiming efforts at concerns where you have no influence? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. <laughs> and so what Jesus is saying is there's an alternative to overdoing it, and that is to trust. What does it look like to trust when you're overdoing it? You know, it may look like a thousand things. What's it need to look like in your life? I can't tell you that. Only you can. You can only you can discern, where am I overdoing it? And where do I need to trust? Uh, in the past, I've used this illustration for this very thing. That the, the idea that, that sometimes we go after life and, and go after our concerns with two hands grasping for the wind. And the proverb says, better one hand open with plenty than two hands grasping for wind. Where is it that you need to unlock your white knuckles and open your hand? And like that bird, focus on where you can be effective daily, trusting. Second, being enough. First is about doing enough. And sometimes we overdo it, right? The second is about being enough. Being enough. How do we overdo it by being enough? Well, usually, <laughs> the way we try to be enough when we feel a sense of inadequacy or even shame is we compare. We compare ourselves to others. And rather than allow the grace of God and the trust in Him to spread and make us more than we are, we one-up over the other person. We compare ourselves. Sometimes we compete. We don't seek to be better. We're content with being better than. But it doesn't really work. It doesn't lead to contentment. It leads to a lot of anxiety. Yet Jesus says, look at, the, look at the daisies. Look at the flowers of the field. Not even Solomon was arrayed like one of these. What's his point? Why does he invoke Solomon's name? Well, Solomon is, you know, this is a metaphor. A metaphor for somebody who, who achieved more than anybody in, in history. Somebody who had it all. I mean, can you imagine Solomon's walk-in closet, right? 
And he's saying, look, there's not enough clothing in Solomon's walk-in closet to cover your shame. Again, we read from Genesis. What happened, what was going on in human life before the fall? They were naked and yet without shame. You and I do carry a sense of God's image. We also carry a strong sense that that image is cracked, it's broken. We feel it. And so how do we make up for it? We try to cover it. And if we can't cover it, we're at least going to cover ourselves by saying, well, I'm better than you. Where do I see this today? I I see this in in almost every issue. Almost every issue has become a way to be better than. It's become, social issues on the left and right have become the new moralism. It's better to be right than to be loving. Well, what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? You can have everything right. You can have all knowledge. You can have everything just right. But you have not love. What does it say? You are nothing. You are nothing. Isn't that interesting? You can have all knowledge. See, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount isn't just trying to add knowledge. He's trying to help us add trust. Because trust is what makes us more. Trust is what grows us. Trust is square one of any relationship. I mean, what if you, your business partner, what if you didn't trust him? Your spouse, what if you didn't trust him? Your kids going out, when teenagers, uh, I used to work with teenagers, and they say, how do I get more freedom from my parents? I said, win their trust. How do I do that? Tell them what's going on with you. I'm not going to tell them what's going on with me. (laughs) Well, and you're not going to get any more freedom. But if you can start letting them in, if you say, well, last time I was at that party, you know, this was what was going on, but I... You know, so I need, mom and dad, I need your help. Now, teenagers, this, this is not advice. I'm just telling you that this, this could work if the relationship is right with your parents. If you guys have lines of communication open, if they know what's going on with you, and those lines of communication open and, and trust is growing, guess what happens? You go to the party and you have a greater sense of freedom because they know that their role is to help support you in the decisions that you're making rather than you hiding what's really going on. Jesus is saying, look, stop trying to cover your shame. Stop trying to cover it up. Stop trying to one-up each other and begin to open lines of communication. Begin to expand trust into your life and watch the sense of freedom from shame that you have. Watch what happens as you begin. It's, it's a little bit like this. When, when I was on this uh, mission trip a couple weeks ago, people wanted to see uh, pictures of our family, of our kids. Okay, well, maybe they didn't want to see the pictures of our kids, but I wanted to show them. And, and uh, you know, Beth wanted to show the, the pictures that were, were recent. I couldn't find the right pictures, but I kept thinking in my mind... Um, Gosh, I wish I had that picture of, of uh, Benjamin right after he ran that race. I mean, he was a mess. But, man, he just glowed with just radiance of having just... I mean, his hair was crazy. Well, what about the picture of the, of, of the triplets when they had 
shaving cream all over their face when they're in the middle of that thing. I just, I love those pictures of them. They're a mess, but they are just a beautiful mess, you know? These are the pictures of my kids that I just love. Do you think God looks at you like that? You better believe that the picture he has of you is, is a picture that he sees through your trust in Christ. Just as you are today, a beautiful mess, but he sees you through your trust in Christ. Not in your shame, but clothed in radiant glory of your Savior. The same grace that brought you salvation can bring you daily assurance. So, being enough. <laughs> setting aside worry, setting aside moralistic comparisons, one-upmanship, and recognizing that the image and nature of God is being restored in you by trust, and that's how God sees you. Even when you fall, even when you stumble. And finally, having enough. Having enough. That's another we, we worry about doing enough. We worry about being enough. We worry about having enough. Don't we? Don't you? Having enough. And so we keep our heads down. And when your head is down, it's hard to see anybody else around you. It's hard to see. It's hard to trust. It's hard to see the kingdom of God around you. It's hard to see. It's hard to see that God is guiding you when your head is always down plowing all to the way to the edge of the field. Now, this, this is an image from the Old Testament. And I think it's right here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus keeps using all these different agrarian metaphors, especially the, the mustard seed. And in the Old Testament, Jesus says, you know, he, he, he shows the virtue of stopping short of plowing to the edge of the field. The idea here is that, is that you're being generous you're looking up before you get to the edge of the field because you're not reaping to the edge of the field because somebody, some wanderer, somebody coming by may need something. So the poor, the wanderer, the traveler, and now you are being generous. Now your head is up. Now you're able to see what's going on around you. Now you're able to pace yourself and not toil and plow all the way to the edge of your field every single time. And Jesus is saying, here's how you plow in character. Trust. And as a result, you can lift your head up on occasion. Your head isn't always to the grindstone. You can lift your head up and you can see people around you. It's like, I, always, I always think about it like this. There are people that I know who have a radar. Now, so many people in this church have their head up. They're, they're able to see around. They have a radar for, they have a radar screen, and there are people all over that screen, and they can see them. They're aware of the people around them. They're not plowing to the edge of the field. They're aware that there are people, that there are people here who are in body, here in body, but not in spirit. There are people in their spheres of influence who are living their lives apart from God. There are people that, that are hurting, that are suffering. There are people that are, need something. There are people that are lonely. And there are so many people in this church I can think of who have such an amazing radar for those folks. It's amazing how, uh, 
how many times I try to call somebody who's dealing with something in this church and somebody is there ahead of me. It's incredible. You see, that's, that's an expression of the kingdom of God. That's somebody who, who isn't just worried about having enough for themselves. But because they trust and they're not plowing all the way to the edge of the field, they can lift their head up occasionally and they can see what's going on. I think of this, um, this illustration of, of, of what it takes to give of your time a little bit, to give of yourself, to be a, a generous person. There, there are people who do this out of duty, and you know, they're like, they're like a piece of granite, all right? People who give out of duty are like a piece of granite. If you want something out of them, you've got, you've got to chip it off of them. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, just go ahead and Take a chunk of it. That's fine. I will stand here resolute and dutifully let you do it. There are other people who are like a sponge, and if, if they're going to give of themselves, you're going to have to squeeze it out of them by guilt. Right? Well, that runs out. There are other people that give like the honeybee. And it's just, it's just a daily thing that results in plenty a sense of plenty, where the honeycomb is just overflowing. Not only for the hive, but, but even for, for us. Do you have a radar? You know, we started today with a quotation by Pascal that says this, the heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. Does your heart have its reasons? Does your heart trust like that mustard seed? Is your life being lit up so that you can thread the needle, so that you can weave the cones? Is it being lit up by the light of salvation? Not only to trust in the kingdom that is coming, but the kingdom in you that has already come. Let's pray together. Holy God, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts and that by your word, you would shine on our path. And so today, Lord, we surrender those places where we're making life work for ourselves apart from you, where we're toiling to do enough, where we're comparing and competing to be enough. Lord, where our head is down, to have enough. And so this morning, Lord, in the quiet of this place, as we turn again to elevate and unite our voices in praise and song, would you meet us in those places of worry? Would you convince us to relinquish control? Would you guide us in all truth? Not to know it, alone, but to trust it. In Jesus' name, amen.